Hello, and welcome again to the Root Pedersen podcast series on the circular economy. My name is Kevin Bradley, and I am a senior advisor at Root Pedersen Public Affairs, following all things related to the EU agenda on resources management and product policy. One of the promised initiatives to aid the circular economy agenda is the promotion of sustainable products. And in March of this year, the European Commission published a significant proposal for a new regulation on eco-design for sustainable products. Now, in previous podcasts, we've got the views of the home appliance sector and more recently, the European Recycling Industry Confederation. Today, we're going to get a political perspective from a distinguished member of the European Parliament. I am therefore particularly delighted to welcome Sirpa Pitikainen, MEP to this podcast. Sirpa is a member of the European People's Party and has been in the European Parliament since 2008. She sits on a number of European Parliament committees, including the Committee on Economic and Monetary Affairs and the Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality. She is also a substitute member of the Committee on Environment, Public Health and Food Safety. A Finnish national, Sirpa has a long track record in local, national and European politics. She also held the post of Minister for the Environment for Finland from 1991 to 1995. Her range of interest is extensive, reflected in the numerous organizations that she is associated with or a member of. Sirpa, good afternoon. You're very welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking time to talk to us. Good afternoon, very, very pleased to be here with you. If I could begin with a comment that was attributed to you in the European Parliament magazine last year on the circular economy. You said, our economy will need a paradigm shift to transition from a linear economy to a truly closed loop circular economy. However, we do not have unlimited time and the change needs to accelerate. Here we are now midway through this commission's mandate. Would you say we have accelerated? Well, I would be so happy to say yes, but unfortunately I need to say no, not really. Uh, do you know the uh, antique story about uh, the Sisyphus, the guy that uh, rolled the stone up in the mountain and always when he thought it was there, it sort of tumbled down and, and he needed to restart. And with the circular economy, it feels a bit the same quite often. And if I look the whole sort of a spectrum, though, all over 10 years, we have had the same parliament uh, demands and targets and uh, the realization that uh, this needs to be a paradigm change and with the tenfold resource efficiency. And still, when you get the legislation, it is moving on that direction very gradually and slowly. And there's a lot of political resistance or not so much resistance, but hesitation on making the bold big steps what we actually would need to do, especially in the waste legislation. Right. I liked your analogy. I would agree with that, having followed this myself for some time. The waste legislation changes are so important to this closing of the loop, but we seem to be 
slow in getting the proposals brought forward to the institutions, both to the parliament and to the council. Well, let's turn to the commission's proposal for a regulation on eco-design for sustainable products. Stakeholders are broadly calling the proposal a significant measure to support the circular economy. What's your assessment of this proposal? This is supposed to give a, a new engine to the whole product policy aspect of circular economy. Well, this is the part, um, like the product legislation as well, <clears throat> the part of the proposals from the commission that I salute with great happiness, because I think that the Eco-Design Directive is just on the crooks, on uh, pointing out on the right point, and this is on the board of uh, waste, and we would need to have this principle design out of the waste. And so I'm very happy to have the circularity hierarchy there. So first of all, uh, you should increase the durability of the goods, then uh, the reusability, repairability, the modularity, so that you can reuse the parts and refix them. Uh, and uh, then the circulation of the materials as a last line on the highest value of uh, the material. So you create the new pet bottles from the pet bottles and not to downgrade the, the value of the material. And <clears throat> that is a very, very good direction. What I'm still hesitant with in the commission's uh, thinking is that uh, the commission prefers to set guidelines for the major products concerning these targets and actually specifications. And I'm not so certain that when we have hundreds and thousands of products and different types of packing, because of course this would need to include the packing that is put in place or imported into EU markets, that you can define it. And so it would need to be comply or explain model, the reversed burden of proof so that uh, the actors would need to prove that they comply with the, with the principle because, you know, the phone and the home appliance and the pen and uh, the garment is, is totally different thing. So I'm, I'm just afraid that we are going to be drowned with this sort of a endless definition and redefinition swamp what we are getting if we go product category by product category. Right, some very interesting comments there, which I think we'll actually come back to in a few moments. Just one little uh, question here, because it seems to have excited the environmental organizations. The proposal is to be dealt with by two council formations, competitiveness and environment, with competitiveness council leading, and in the European Parliament, uh, the co-committee and the environment committee are going to share the processing of the proposal. Do you think this fight over who does what or who's processing what or who should be the lead, is that going to be a problem in terms of making the proposal more difficult to get through or more lengthy in terms of time? Well, probably. And in a way, I understand it, that uh, it needs to be pro-shoulders its competitiveness, it has environmental consequences. So why the lead committee is not environment committee and environment council and so forth. And sort of this uh, 
tendency what we have had during last years that uh, you sort of, uh, in quotes, steal the competence of the environment to other committees and other sectors. Uh, first, it was climate and energy. We know all the fifth, uh, for 55 package was not only the competence of the environment committee. We know what has happened with sustainable products and so on. I'm afraid that uh, this this is one of the reasons we have this Sisyphus effect that the changes are too small and too gradual. And then it is a problem for the business as well, because if you make small gradual changes and you re-change it after five years and then after five years, it's much harder market to adapt and adjust than if you would set the bold ambition targets and actions and the uh, longer timetable at once. Right. I, I think I'd agree with that. I think these fights are distractions, actually. They're not focused on what it is we need to do. One other question, and this is linked to something you said as well before. The Commissioner Sinkvichis noted that the biggest challenge for the Commission in relation to this measure will be regulating products separately. It looks to me like the Commission are going to require a very significant increase in personnel and support resources to implement this. But then just recently, we saw a, a media report that the Commission is facing significant human resource constraints. So will the Parliament also look at this aspect, both in terms of, as you said, making sure that it's actually resource efficient and effective, but also at the same time, making sure that the commission does have resources to uh, uh, ensure that the measure is implemented correctly. Well, I'm very sure that from the environment committee side, the parliament is very strong on uh, demanding the resources. But then again, uh, when we go to the whole parliament's level, there's a huge demands of financial resources for care economy, for a better digitalization. We all know the security needs after the Ukrainian war and so on and so on. There it is much more difficult with this kind of acute crisis to adding resources in one, as it is seen, niche sector like the environment. So let's see how far we can go there in the parliament on securing adequate resources. And if we couldn't do that, Then, as you know, the problem is that uh, the processes are going to be very lengthy and uh, the task can be even surmountable. And what then comes to problem there is that uh, not even the first round, but imagine, and and, and we certainly know how fast the innovation gallops. And then again, if we have uh, sort of formulated the product specific uh, specification, let's say for uh, electronics, and then you revisit after 10 years. It is far uh, outdated uh, by that time, and probably it is outdated already when you get it out because the new innovations are eating up the old ones in two to three years. And so it, it might stifle the innovation and the product the development, both in good and in bad. Um, and this is definitely what we would need if we want to approach this, as I said, the new paradigm and new types of the products 
you need new material, new concepts, you need leasing and all that. So how to define the specification so that it leaves enough room for innovation. This really is a big challenge for commission. Right. That's a good summary of the challenge, which brings me to, and you mentioned earlier, but I think a pretty important uh, question. In that Parliament magazine article uh, last year, you specifically focused on incentives for producers and owners to create more durable goods. So in other words, make them last longer so that we don't have to keep (laughs) changing the rules and to take better care of them to extend their lifetime. Do you see that also as a way to get more out of the resources that we're actually consuming? Actually, I'm a bit astonished that this development haven't been faster or widespread because I guess we all know the Ray Anderson, an interface carpet company example dating more than 30 years ago when he started leasing the carpets in USA and still this kind of a top-notch company in that area. And we know Michelin is leasing the tires for heavy use uh, machinery and then aircraft and so on. So there are examples here and there. And there are a lot of plans that I've heard from, let's say from the consumer goods also and house appliances. Why couldn't I lease my detergent and my defreeze and pay per hour or pay for what and then to sort of make it more profitable to extend its lifetime as all my toaster as long as possible because my toast is as good or as bad uh, uh, whether the toaster is uh, one year or 25 years old uh, but nowadays of course the lifespan of the toasters it, it's hardly a couple of years and so we would need to get this kind of a innovations that is profitable for the business and then profitable for the consumer certainly this kind of a leasing economy is one and actually there are some elements for that like the product passports this sort of circularity principles the modularity the maintenance agreements a lot of these kind of things but it has to kick off in the business and to get the really earning logics there and the certainty of the ownership of the materials. I usually tend to say that this is this kind of a twin, the extended producer liability that's what we need, but that goes hand in hand with the extended uh, producer rights, because if I destroy this uh, 20-year-old defreezer, it's not only my business, it's someone's resources and someone spare parts or whatever that need to get back on the right owner. Yeah, I thoroughly agree with that. I was just thinking as you were speaking of domestic example, when my wife and I got married many years ago, our first television was actually rented. In those days, people didn't buy televisions. They rented them from the television company that that whole business is gone everyone buys their television so why can't we go back to something like that uh, a model which is based around that of course you're right there has to be a business case for it but even still there are many examples it's a question really of, of energizing the the marketplace to do this i hope that this becomes a strong part of the debate on the proposal as it is discussed in parliament and in council which 
comes to my sort of last question, what one would hope would be achieved from this. The commission themselves say that overall, there'll be a significant greening of the market for products with economic and social benefits. There'll be material environmental benefits, including a significant reduction of greenhouse gases. If you create all those expectations, won't it be necessary to put in place some basis for monitoring and measuring the impact of that and the contribution to the circular economy? Because it's very easy to say these things, but you can't manage what you can't measure. So we should be measuring what we're going to achieve as well. I fully agree. And I remember it was in the Parliament's first own initiative uh, report about resource efficiency. Now it is more than 10 years ago, almost 15 years ago, where the Parliament demanded that we would need to have specific resource efficiency targets, first of all, because then it would be useful to know where you are heading to. And this relates to this tenfold resource efficiency. This relates on the absolute decoupling of the use of resources and economic growth and and others like that. We have renewed this demand three times, actually, altogether, that there would need to be this kind of a, a scoreboard where you measure the advancement of a circular economy and resource efficiency on member state level and on EU level and as a part of the EU uh, semester. So that is the budget sustainability, because if you see that in some member states, there's a specific lacquer that probably is going to create economic problems later on, as, as we know. So it would be uh, really important to have this kind of a future proof, targeting and measurement and clear indicators. And this has been discussed, and this was the base for the taxonomy and the sustainable finance discussion, and still we are waiting the measures. The Commission has prepared the platform for the uh, circular economy and the scoreboard. Uh, it, it is gradually advancing, but this is not binding. And I know that uh, part of the DG environment and part of the Commission, and certainly Commissioner Sinkovich, would like to proceed in this direction, but some of the uh, DGs and sectors and certainly member states are very skeptical because then you can be held responsible on what you say. And it's much easier to say that, okay, I'm a nice kid and I behave nicely and this is important thing and no one sort of holds you accountable what you're actually doing. Right. Maybe it's sad to have to refer to it, but Perhaps the crisis we have with the war in Ukraine might focus minds a bit on the need to be careful about resources, to be able to know where they're coming from, how much we're using, and then how much we're using them in a circular way. I'm not suggesting that we sort of run out and use that as the clarion call, but I think the crisis has highlighted the fact that we do not have systems for understanding our resource and energy flows. Exactly. And as you said, the point there is that time over time it is discussed in the parliament, but still it is not fully grabbed and uh, internalized and understood 
that Europe is the most vulnerable continent on this concern. We are most dependent on imported resources, especially in rare earths, but all in all in material. And so we are the hardest hit, be it whatever sector of uh, the basic goods, if there's a global crisis, and when there's going to be the shortage sooner or later on the critical resources. And so it would be, if you wouldn't care for the environment, it would be the benefit for for our industries and uh, an essential part of this kind of a strategic autonomy. And I certainly hope that the Commission would have had a specific plan about it, how you sort of gather, you uphold the resources and you refine the use of the resources and the quality of the resources and resource efficiency in Europe, because that is so extremely vital in environmental, but also in security and economic terms. I think, Serpa, with those remarks, we'll say thank you very much for uh, taking the time to speak with us. It's been excellent, very good uh, comments. We need to understand that fundamental point that uh, we can do more ourselves to husband and uh, take care of resources by being circular. So, Serpa, I wish you a nice rest of the afternoon and also a relaxing vacation and hope the weather is good where you are and uh, thanks again for for taking the time thank you to you it has been a pleasure to continue discussing the resource efficiency with you and to all our listeners i hope it is going to be a wonderful summer and a bright autumn to come